Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming. We've got quite a good turnout. Um, I'm going to take you through today the background to the uh, design and manufacturing NTC. So I'll give you a bit of an overview of what we're about, uh, give you a flavour of who the members are, um, why we're here today, what the objective is, and I just want to add in some data about the importance of manufacturing because it's quite an opportune time now for manufacturing. Um, then I want to talk about the work that we did previously in determining the uh, drivers and the uh, technologies that went forward into the uh, roadmaps that we've currently got. And today it's about refreshing that process and starting it again. So have we got the drivers and the technologies correct? Do they need refreshing? Do they need updating? Um, so we'll go through those and, and the themes and um, I'll finish off by saying what the next steps will be after, after today. Um, the NTC, the Design and Manufacturing NTC, um, provides an overview of the manufacturing research and development programmes and advises uh, UK uh, government of the opportunities, etc. Um, the range of manufacturing uh, technologies and um, companies that we uh, cover within this NTC. We cover the whole of the uh, airframe, engines, flight vehicles and equipment necessary to, to manufacture an airframe. So it's quite a broad uh, remit that we cover within this uh, NTC. And through this NTC we advise and we also deliver a range of advisory and operational objectives through the KTN. Um, we have a number of advisory objectives now. I'm not going to go through all of those. I've put them in there because they're in the pack and, and this, this um, presentation will be made available on the website. But basically the advisory objects, objectives are where we advise and inform UK government bodies such as TSB, EPSRC, BIS, etc. of the technology opportunities and we build those into the roadmaps. So, so there's one set of objectives which is purely advisory. And we have another set of objectives which are purely operational. Okay, so the operational objectives are where we form consortia, we keep an eye on the research that's being done, and we um, solicit wider interest and participation from industry and academia. So, so we have two sets of objectives. To give you an idea of the uh, committee, the, these are the members of this particular committee, and you'll see that we've pretty well got most of the large aerospace companies as members here. We also have um, members from the uh, government, from BIS, and we have membership from the KTN itself. And we also have members from a number of universities. Uh, the membership is open to appropriate contributors. So that's not a closed membership that we've got there. Other people can come on board as members. And curr currently, um, we've had discussions with the AMRC at Sheffield and uh, also Cranfield University, who will be coming on board as members in the future. Um, we also have uh, sort of attendance from EPSRC as appropriate. So when we need EPSRC, they, they will come along. So we have pretty well attendance from uh, the major funding sources for uh, academia and industry 
and a good industry presence on this committee. The committee is industry-led um, because we want the research output to be focused on industry's needs. So today, the objective for today is to start the refresh process for identifying the key technological themes which will underpin the next design and manufacturing NTC roadmap. So currently we have an existing roadmap which is based on data which has been gathered over the last three or four years from similar events as this. Um, that now needs refreshing to move it forward. Um, there's some quotes here which are picked up and I'm not sure how, how uh, meaningful Lord Mandelson's is at the moment. <laughs> we might know today. But uh, it's an interesting quote because what he's saying is at the heart of Britain's knowledge economy is our manufacturing base, high value, high skilled and internationally successful. So I mean, it's quite big praise for uh, manufacturing. I also picked out a quote from Biz who described it as advanced manufacturing describes businesses which use a high level of design or scientific skills. So that's, that's good praise as well. And I also looked into some of the TSB's documents and I picked out manufacturing is also one of the primary mechanisms for realising wealth from new technologies. So that's pretty good praise for manufacturing from, let's call it, the, the government and funding sources. Um, I also picked out some facts and <laughs> figures to um, say what the importance of manufacturing was. Now, We've got a big emphasis on manufacturing at the moment, and we've got to thank the bankers for screwing up for that. Um, so we're now top of the agenda in terms of uh, potential funding sources, which is good news for us. Um, but if you look at the size of manufacturing, and you know globally it's $4.4 trillion. Um, UK, it represents 14% of GDP. Well, actually, it doesn't anymore. It's down to about 12.6% because it's been dropping steadily over the last few years but it's still a big part. Uh, accounts for 55% of the exports and employs 2.8 million people. If we look at aerospace manufacturing, then it's the second largest in the world in the UK. So, you know, that is a good position to be in behind America. And we employ 124,000 people in 7,000 companies. Now, that's an interesting stat, is that, because if you, if you look at Rolls-Royce employ in aerospace manufacturing and BAE, um, and uh, GKN, then that says there's about 6,000 companies with two people in them. Uh, <laughs> so it's quite interesting. Uh, there's a turnover of 20 billion. Um, now, I also added some stats to compare aerospace with the automotive. And um, if you look at the defence value added, it's 12.6 million billion as against 7.8 for automotive. And again, the value added per employee is higher in uh, the aerospace industry than the automotive. And I think Frank, when he makes his keynote, may make some comment about that. So I'll leave it to Frank to uh, give you a quip on that one. Uh, so we move on. This is a, uh, a model which was in the uh, BIS um, strategy documents. And it's quite interesting because this is a nine box model. Now, as you all know, we, we started off with four box models not so long ago, and the objective was to be in the top right-hand corner of these models. And you can see that we are in the top right-hand corner of this model. Um, just for interest, those people that we in engineering all love so well, HR, uh, certainly in our company have come up with a 27-box model, which uh, shows you what those people do. 
Um, anyway, one of the things, comments in this, which I do pick out is this one, which is in this aerospace industry is the most likely to give the best results in terms of wealth and job creation. So that, that, that's come from um, Piers and TSP, that comment. So in terms of sectoral attractiveness, it's a very attractive industry to be in. It's saying it's a high-value industry, is the aerospace industry. And that's where the government should be putting its money. And I just wanted to make that point because it shows the importance of this sector. Um, if a step back in time now, three or four years, we, we set off with a similar process whereby we created the technology themes. And, and we did this by holding a number of workshops and interviews with uh, academia and industry. And the start of the process was initially a workshop like this where we gathered in the thoughts of academia and industry in terms of the themes and the technologies that they thought may be appropriate going forward and beneficial to the health of the aerospace industry. That was then followed up with uh, structured interviews with participants and then there was a series of discrete uh, focused workshops on the leading themes that came out of these workshops. So we, we honed it down to a number of themes which we used as the basis of the uh, roadmaps. And through, through that process, we identified six top-level themes and we identified a number of drivers that, that, that were driving those themes in, in terms of industry requirements, what industry wanted. This was what we used as the basis of the roadmaps. Now I'm going to take you through some of the outputs, uh, examples of the outputs of these themes um, and, and how we um, looked at the data. So if we take net shape processing, this, this was a theme that um, was one of the most important themes. Now, if you look at this diagram, under, underneath this, there's, there's a series of technologies which make up what net shape processing was. So it wasn't just additive layer manufacture. It was a number of processes that could give you net shape. The, the bars that, that you see there are the rankings which came out of the various forums and workshops in terms of the importance of these um, technologies. And you can see that additive layer manufacture was one of the ones that came out top. And this has subsequently featured in a number of calls from the uh, TSB for funding. So, you know, you can see that notice has been taken of the outputs from, from these workshops. Also, as part of the uh, dissecting of this information, we, we also looked at uh, sub-theme benchmarking, whereby we took the sub-themes and we, we looked at them in terms of whether they are emerging disruptive technology or a base technology that you must have to operate. And we did a benchmark against whether we were lagging or leading the rest of the world. And as you can see, on this, this particular one, NetShape, we were actually um, lagging and there were all areas for concern. Now, when, when you get a picture like that, you, you can make two decisions. You can say, we're too far behind, forget it, we'll go and do something else. Or there's so much potential here, we need to catch up and get ahead. Uh, the outcome from this particular debate was we need to get ahead, we need to catch up. It's not something we want to drop as a nation. And now there is currently quite a large number of uh, net shape um, and additive layer manufacturing um, initiatives on the go. For example, they're included in the Samulet programme. 
and there has been a number of other calls as well and they've been funded. The last part of the process was a uh, detailed roadmap whereby the sub-themes, the level two themes, were uh, plotted um, against the timescale as to when we thought those technologies may be available for inclusion in uh, vehicles. So that was the net shape process theme. I've shown you all the parts of that, the benchmarking, the road mapping, etc. Um, for the other topics, I'll just show you the roadmaps. What we did was we did roadmaps for surface engineering. So again, we have the sub-themes which made up surface engineering and they were plotted on the roadmaps. And then we had another theme which was the ultra-low-cost tooling theme. And again, they, they were mapped in the same way. And then we had an advanced materials theme, which I've shown you here is the advanced composites theme, because that was quite a large theme. And part of the subsequent output of the advanced composites theme is we now see in the uh, National Composites Centre. So again, the importance of, of composites is, is very much at the uh, forefront of everybody's minds. And then we had assembly integration theme. And we had one for digital engineering, which picked up all the process modelling and digital modelling. So they were all wrapped up in that theme. Now, what we don't know is, are those themes still viable today? Are they still the right themes? So as part of the voting process and the workshop that we're going to have later on in the day, we'll be collecting your views and uh, information on whether those themes are right or whether there are additional themes, etc. I want to move on now to the roadmaps which uh, these themes underpinned. So what, what you see here is the top of the roadmap and the um, columns at the top are the airframe and engine programs across the whole of industry, civil and military, and the insertion dates for the various projects when things are required. Within this NTC, we also did a bit of work on the uh, threats and the um, little arrow things, boxes here, the, these are when we perceive the threats are going to emerge from these various company, countries. So, for example, Abu Dhabi 2013, we see as a threat to uh, certainly airframe manufacture, potentially. Um, for those who don't know, there was a guy who used to be the um, managing director of our Typhoon programme, his name was Ross Bradley. Well, Ross is now managing the Abu Dhabi project over there and uh, is busily trying to get them up and running. So a potential threat to some of our businesses. Um, we also see emerging threats in China, India, uh, obviously Japan, and later on emerging in South America. So all these people want a share of this business. Now, we have the second largest share in the world, so clearly... <laughs> you know, they're going to take something from us if we're not careful. Our counter to that is that we stay ahead with high-value manufacturing. We move on and we move forward and we leave them what's left. That's the only way it can be. If we look at the next layer down in the uh, roadmaps, then these are the technology validation programmes that have been funded over the last few years by TSB and projected up to 2020. Now, if we look at that, we can see 
um, that TSB have actually been quite generous to this industry. In the old days, the industry was funded from CARAD, which was Civil Aircraft Research and Development, and we got, as an industry, about 20 million a year for the CARAD programme. I did a quick sum on what we've had as an industry over the last four or five years from TSB, and it's quarter of a billion pound. That's a lot of money for an industry. So, you know, it's a big thank you to TSB for that and Biz. Going forward, if I do a calculation against some of these projected programmes, then it's just over half a billion pound up to 2020. That's a big ask as well. That's a lot of money to ask for, especially in the current economic climate. And of course, we are in competition as an aerospace industry for that money. We're in competition with automotive, pharmaceutical and the other industries. So if we want that money, then we have to take it from them as an industry, which is quite interesting. Because it's fairly inelastic, the funding going forward. We all know it's constrained. So it's a bit like Colbertism. I don't know if many people here knew uh, the history, uh, but Louis XIV's Chancellor was a guy called Colbert. And uh, his view of the world was that there's only so much wealth in the world. If you want more, you've got to take it from your neighbour. Hence, France became a very warring nation as a result of that belief. The counter-belief to that was, well, the economy ever expands and there'll always be more, which was the view held by all the other countries. But I think in this situation, we've actually got ourselves into a Colbertism situation where we, we have to take it from other industries because the pot's fixed. So as an aerospace industry, we've got to fight for our money and we've got to fight everybody else for it because we want over half a billion pounds between now and 2020. And these roadmaps are part of the story for getting into the National Aerospace Technology Strategy and maximising the funding into this industry. So it's really important that we uh, define what we need. Underpinning the roadmaps are the technology themes. So on the left of this diagram are, are the themes and the sub-themes. Then we've got the roadmaps. Then you'll see um, little letters in yellow boxes. And these relate to the technology validation programmes above and where they fit. And they are then mapped against the drivers as to which drivers they, they pick up from industry. So industry, say we've got drivers like affordability, maximising shareholder value, etc., etc., how do these various technologies map into that? Okay. So they're the roadmaps. Now, what we want to do is create a new roadmap at the end of this journey. And we want to create that by this time next year. That may sound like a long time, but it's quite an extensive process to get to these roadmaps. And we need your help. I put this one in, which is an in interesting picture, and it makes a point about changing technologies. Um, I, I did an analysis of the capability demand versus the drivers of the various aircraft programs over the last century nearly. Yeah? And it's quite an interesting analysis. So the first thing it tells me is every 10 years there's a clutch of new programs. And the technology on the programmes subtly changes every 10 years. That says we're moving higher and higher up the value chain, and it also says we've got to keep investing, because if we don't invest, we'll break that chain in the UK. 
Another interesting thing which came out of this analysis was the drivers. If, if I look back, then in the early days when we had all wooden and string and cloth aircraft like the Camel, then the driver was innovation. The world was full of mad scientists trying to build aircraft and they were building all sorts of strange contraptions which you'll have all seen on some of the old movies and it was all innovation driven but the problem they had was they kept crashing and they all got killed so that didn't go down too well especially with the public as um, in, the, in the 30s and 40s they, they started to fly commercially around the globe uh, so safety then became a big driver so everything was about safety but they still needed to innovate so we've now got two drivers. What happened next was they started to drive performance. Everybody wanted to go faster and faster. But they still had the safety driver and they still have to be innovative. Then, as we moved into the 90s, as things got more and more complex, affordability became the big driver, and that was the in-word affordability. But we still had the other drivers. Now, looking forward, the big thing that's hitting everybody is what I call eco-sustainability. So we've got sustainability... And we've got the green and the low CO2 for both the product and the manufacturing processes. So the product's got to be green and the processes that we make the, the product with have to be green. So we've collected a load of drivers and a load of new technologies that need to be done. And you can see in, in some of the newer proposed programmes the, the, the way things are moving. Now, I was talking to one of my colleagues about this yesterday and... Uh, he made an interesting observation to me. The colleague was actually Billy Beggs. He's just sat over there, and he's, he's a BAE's chief inventor. Now, Billy said to me, he'd been doing a bit of research, and he said, um, he said yeah, he said, the part of BAE where we are, the Wharton Sarsby Access, actually started off making carts in 1880. And then they transitioned through trams, trains, and into aircraft. And the question he posed to me was, well, what will they be doing in another 100 years? Probably not aircraft as we know them, but we'll evolve there as we've evolved from carts to planes. We're going to evolve to something else, and I don't know what it is. Um, but it was an interesting observation. Another point that he made yesterday to me as well, which I thought was quite interesting, was um, it used to take, in 1880, three days to get to London. Today, if you went from Preston to London in a Eurofighter, it would take six minutes. I thought that was interesting. And the other thing he said was, in terms of the mail, if you sent a letter, a communication to London, it would be three days because it would be on the stagecoach, etc. You, you do it now on your PC and it's instant. So where's technology taking us? So the themes that we come up with today need to reflect where we want to move to because things are changing all the time. Finally, um, what I'd like to say is, what are the next steps after today? Well, today we want to identify the technology themes and the drivers. So that's what we want as an output today. Then, once we've got those, and we've got Setan here from Nottingham University, who's going to lead the workshop today, and he's got a number of templates, etc., which he will explain to you later on, which we hope will drive out the latest themes and drivers which will form the basis of moving forward. He will try and give you some output today from that. So we've got um, three of our graduates from BA Systems helping him, who are going to help him crunch the data today from the templates and, and the um, uh, out, uh, templates and, and themes that we, we developed today. And then 
Having got that information, we will then go into a series of discrete workshops to drive out the uh, low-level themes and the direction forward. And then ultimately, we will update the roadmaps and inform the government through the NATS strategy, that's the National Aerospace Technology Strategy, where our roadmaps will ultimately feed into. And they'll say, this is where we need to go, Mr. Government. And that's what we want to do. So that's me finished. Thank you.